You are listening to You Should Write a Book with Camille Pagan. I'm Camille, the best-selling author of 10 books, a master certified coach, and the founder of Even Better Co. Each week, I share ideas about creating an even better author career. Ready to reach your writing goals? Let's dive in. Hello, writers. Before we dive in today, you may want to consider grabbing a pen and a piece of paper or opening a note on your phone to jot some things down. You can obviously listen straight through this episode and come back to it later, but I am going to ask you questions today that you might want to answer for yourself. So, October is here. It feels like summer here in Southeast Michigan where I live, but we are, in fact, in the fourth quarter of the year, which is kind of crazy to me. This is the point in the year which many of us can fall into the trap of, oh crap, there are just three months left of 2023 and I didn't do everything on my goal list. I didn't reach my New Year's resolutions. I failed. I should just give up right now. I say this because I've actually heard this from so many of my clients and colleagues. And I want to just remind you that you've got three whole months left of this year. That is enough time to write an entire book. Truly. Forget NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, if you're not familiar with it. Instead of frenetically writing 1,500 words a day every day, you can write 1,200 words a day five days a week instead of seven. And in three months, you'll have 72,000 words, which is a novel draft. Even better. By taking at least one day a week off, you'll give your brain and body a break so it doesn't break down or give up, right? Instead, you can set a habit that sticks. Now, this is not to knock NaNoWriMo. If you'd like to do it, go ahead and do it. I just want to point out that three months is a long time to get things done. So speaking of habits, three months is also enough time to make major changes and celebrate them. Research varies on the length of time it takes to make a habit stick, but one comprehensive study from University College of London shows that the average length of time to form a habit is about 66 days, and that's about two-ish months. So you can take October and November and just the tiniest bit of December and roll into the holiday season in 2024 better than you began with new habits. That's the thing. So for many of us, myself included, the default is to tally up our losses, to berate ourselves internally about what we didn't do or should have done. But why do we do this? Well, odds are beating yourself up has helped you get moving in the past. Maybe someone like a parent used put-downs and negative consequences to get you to do what needed to be done. It is effective to some degree but it's not the best way to increase productivity or create lasting growth. And I talked about some of the research behind this on the last episode. So first, I want you to reflect on what you have done this year. Instead of thinking about all the things you didn't do, well, what did you do? Personally, my instinct is to tell you that I didn't create my author course yet, and I'm still working on a revise that I thought I'd be finished with, but that's not helpful or important here. And when I sat and looked at my calendar and went through my journal, here's what I did do. And by the way, none of this is what immediately came to mind. I wrote a book in about eight weeks, and I love that book. I went to Puerto Rico with my family, and I spent more time with my kids than I did last year. 
I also spent more time with my husband this year than I spent with him last year. I created the most amazing curriculum for career novelists and filled three fantastic small group masterminds that teach that curriculum. And by the way, if you're listening to this on Tuesday when it drops, I have literally one slot left in the Career Novelist Mastermind. So if you're thinking about it, I encourage you to apply now or get on the wait list for next time. I'd say maybe my biggest win to date is that over the past nine months, I learned to really, really listen to my gut. And I've stopped justifying that to other people. I've let my yes be yes and my no be no. So do this for yourself. Take stock of what you've already done this year. Get someone else to chime in if you're having trouble reflecting on your successes. I bet you'll be able to say, wow, I've actually done a lot over the past nine months. I'm not the person I was when I rang in the new year. Okay, so with that in mind, let's talk about how to finish this year strong. First, I want you to decide what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do in the rest of 2023? And one way to think about this is what do you want to say yes to in the rest of this year? I want you to really think about what's important to you. If you're anything like me, you probably want to pick all the things. And I'm going to challenge you to pick just one, two max. Maybe it's one thing in your personal life and one goal in your writing life. Remember, I'm just asking you to focus for the next three months, not the rest of your human existence. As I can attest, too often we're trying to do all the things. And what happens is that we spin and we spin and we go nowhere. There are dozens of famous quotes on this, and most of them are from ancient guys whose names I can't pronounce. But I'm going to summarize all of those with this quote from Rory Vaden, who wrote Procrastinate on Purpose. A diluted focus creates diluted results. So let me ask you, what's standing in the way or what has stood in the way of doing the one thing that you just decided to focus on. Whatever it is, I don't want you to make it sound pretty. You're not gonna share this with anyone. I want you to just get really honest with yourself. Why haven't you done that thing yet? You might be fine with the answer. And in fact, in some cases, this can be really helpful for alleviating guilt or self-blame, just answering this simple question. For example, I didn't create a course yet, why? Because I was writing a book and serving my clients, both one-on-one -on -one and mastermind clients, at the level that's most important to me. I wanted to show up in full service. And when I answer that, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good with that. Now, your answer may be something that doesn't feel quite as good, right? Something that comes up a lot with my clients is my writing time keeps getting interrupted by family emergencies. This is so common. Okay, so if that's your answer or anything in that realm, great, we've got something to work with. Because once you identify the issue or the issue is standing in your way, now it's time to get down to business by deciding how you're going to deal with that issue and make progress. And I want to encourage you to be as specific as possible. If you're not writing during your writing time because you're getting interrupted, for example, I want you to decide when are you going to write? Maybe it's at the same time that you're already writing. Maybe it's a different time. I also want you to decide how much you need to write during that time. And this could be word count. It could be deciding on a number of minutes that you're going to write. It could be both. Then, and most importantly, I want you to think about how am I going to prevent interruptions? And what will I do if that doesn't work? For example, 
Perhaps you'll tell your family not to bother you during that time and you'll put your do not disturb on on your phone. And if people ignore that, right, let's say your kids come into your writing space anyways, you're going to channel your inner seven-year-old, stick your fingers in your ear and say, I can't hear you. This is shockingly effective, by the way, right? Ignore people. This is important, this step of what am I going to actually do? Because we often fail to think things through all the way. And then somehow we're surprised when we don't do the thing we set out to. I've done this a million times. Researchers call it the planning fallacy. But Katie Milkman's work has shown, and Milkman, I think I've mentioned her on a previous podcast. She's a Wharton professor who wrote this great book called How to Change. Her work shows that the simple act of figuring out the roadblock, right, naming it, then laying out your own strategic plan helps you create real and lasting change. If for some reason your brain is offering you, I don't know, don't buy it. You do know. That is, you know enough to get unstuck, and that's all you need to begin. So really don't let yourself say, I don't know. I like this question from Lewis Howes. He's a podcaster and the author of The Greatness Mindset. He says, if you knew that you or someone you love would die if you didn't double your goal and achieve it in 30 days, what would be your first three moves? Now, is that extreme? Sure, absolutely. But it also drives the point home. You can figure it out. Okay, so now you have your solution. And this is the important part, which is implementing said solution. No matter what your plan, what your solution, you're going to need time and focus in order to do it. What does that mean? It means you're going to have to do less of everything else. If you listen to episode 50 or 51, you know that streamlining has been the game changer for me this year. And streamlining is just another word for saying no to most things so that you can say yes to what you really want to say yes to. So with that in mind, hear me when I say you're probably doing too much right now. In fact, if you're anything like the vast majority of my clients, both current and those I've worked with in the past, you're definitely doing too much. You are giving too much. You're trying to fix too much. You are filling in too many gaps for other people. You're holding on to too much. And you are saying yes when the word that should be coming out of your mouth is no. Or even absolutely not. And I'm absolutely serious about this. Sit with this for a minute. So here's how to streamline so you can finish this quarter in 2023, having reached the goal or goals that are actually important to you and going to get you closer to the future you want to create. So, as I just said, start saying no more often. Every time you say yes to something or someone, you're saying no to something else. Hint, that something is usually yourself and your goals. This is why we need fewer yeses to things that aren't on our intentional want to say yes list. Now, is this uncomfortable? Oh my gosh, very uncomfortable most of the time. I just said no to being on the board of a literacy organization I really believe in because I'm coming off of being on another board. Now, I wanted to say yes. I really care about this organization. But if I'm honest with myself, that was going to take up time and focus that I need for my writing goals. Discomfort is the short-term price of your long-term goals. And I'm going to say that again. 
maybe even just for myself. Discomfort is the short-term price of your long-term goals. Now, your next step is to stop taking on other people's problems as your own. Now, as a lifelong people pleaser, who is a coach with a deep love of marketing branding that I love to share with other people, my natural instinct is to help. But often, that instinct to help, for many of us, kicks in way too soon. Whether it's your kids, your best friend, your colleague, someone in your writing group, I want you to stop automatically taking on other people's problems as your own. Give them the opportunity to figure it out first. If you're not sure if you're doing this, ask yourself and then answer the question, who are you fixing things for when they are capable of doing it themselves? Whatever you answered, the fix is to not rush in and fix the very next thing they ask of you. Make an excuse if you have to, if saying no is hard for you. Come up with something. But whatever you do, wait. Do not rush in. Put your own priorities first. So third, I want you to think about this question. If you could wake up tomorrow and take one thing off your desk, one thing off your plate, it could be a task, it could be an emotional burden, it could be an expectation, what would it be? And whatever your answer, do that for at least one day. And you want to do that to show your brain you can do less and the world will not fall apart. Right? The brain is really tricky. It often tells us stories that if you don't do the thing, right, everything is going to fall apart around you. And it's just not true. So fourth, I want you to cross off no fewer than half the things that you've been putting off. Whether it is reaching out to a certain person, painting your bathroom walls, I don't know, whatever it is, decide you're just not going to do it. Take a deep breath. Feel that relief. And then email me to tell me how good you feel, right? <laughs> so much of what we procrastinated on is stuff we don't really want to do. And we haven't found the courage to say that yet. Some things we try to jam into our lives in this particular moment really should be later or yes, never, right? One thing that writers come to me panicked about all the time is their websites. They're like, oh, my website's not right. I want to tell you if that's you, First of all, go look at my website. It's not updated yet. And second, a great website is not going to sell your book. Your book is going to sell your book. A good pitch, a good description, the book itself is going to sell your book. Your website is not going to be the make or break. Not important right now. Last, I want to ask you something very important. Two somethings, actually. The first is, are you willing to make other people uncomfortable? Really think about this. Because that's typically what happens when we go for what we really want and do less of everything else. The people in our lives are not used to it. And they don't tend to like it. Some people are really supportive, but many don't get it. If you can say, yes, I am willing, your own discomfort with stating your needs will greatly diminish. Right? Being willing to make other people uncomfortable temporarily is going to actually decrease your own discomfort. And number two, are you willing to let other people be wrong about you? I love this question. We spend so much time trying to make people like us, 
understand us, get on board with us, and it's a waste of time. What would happen if you didn't argue for yourself anymore? Now, I'm not saying you're going to stop caring. As social creatures, humans care a lot about other people's opinions. We can't pretend that's not true. All I'm saying is to put in less effort making them understand. I got into this debate with an Instagrammer earlier this year who wanted to tell me that my book, my novel that came out in February, wasn't the kind of story that my publisher had described it as and that I had described it as. The specifics of the story don't really matter, and I actually really like this person, but she made this whole post trying to argue with my marketing, and it kind of ticked me off. So what did I do? I began arguing with her on Instagram. And I think I was like three posts in of back and forth with her when I caught myself. And I was like, Camille, what are you doing? She is allowed to have her own opinion. And the odds are, no matter what I say, even though I'm the author of this book, I'm not going to change her mind. And moreover, her opinion, even though I like her, means nothing for my career or my goals. And the minute that I recognized this, I was able to wish her well and go back to writing my next book, getting on with my life, right? We just free up so much time and energy by letting people think whatever the heck they want. So I want to leave you with just a few things to let go of in the fourth quarter of this year to free up more time and energy, that is to say more focus for your goals. I want you to shed any label that doesn't fit you anymore. You don't have to keep being a volunteer or reliable or the go-to girl. Maybe you need to shed a professional identity, right? Maybe it's like content writer. I don't know what the thing is, but whatever it is, if you don't like people thinking of you that way, stop thinking of yourself that way. And the quickest way to really shed it is to stop taking on behaviors, stop doing behaviors that reinforce that identity. Cease operations immediately. Maybe that means not calling back someone in five minutes or answering their emails right away. Maybe it means saying no to volunteering. Maybe it means turning down that next assignment. Likewise, I want you to let go of deadlines that work against you or any regret you have about self-imposed timelines you didn't meet. If you wanted to get an agent this year and it didn't happen yet, that's fine. You still can. Looking back is the wrong direction, especially if you're measuring against what you didn't do. You've only wasted time or effort if you decided that that's what's happened. I want to ask you one last thing. If you knew you were guaranteed to get where you wanted to go, but you just didn't know when that would happen, how would you feel right now? I hope your answer is optimistic and maybe even motivated. If so, take those and go make the rest of this year amazing. Thanks for listening and happy writing. For more resources on creating an even better author career, including free webinars and the You Should Write a Book newsletter, visit evenbetter.co. That's dot C-O. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to leave a brief review. If you already have, thank you. And thanks for tuning in.